folks, if you wanted to come to our effective manager conference for quite a while, but either we don't come to your location or you simply can't afford it because your company won't pay, we understand. And that's why we've created our video effective manager conference series of videos. You will be able to see the entire conference on video, including the practice broken down into small 10 to 15 minute segments. Each segment has a quiz and there's a transcript to go with it through which you can search for those topics you wish to go back on. Come to the website, check it out, get a license for our video effective manager conference. Welcome to Manager Tools. Overcoming Trinity Pushback, Chapter 2, No Time for One-on-Ones, Part 2. Here we go. I was thinking after we recorded our last podcast, you know, the Dutch boy put his finger in the dike to save the town thing. It's like, <laughs> you know, you said everybody was busy. Well, I, I assume that Dutch boy was probably busy too, right? And, and, yeah. and you know, the dike sprung a leak and he decided that the most effective thing for him to do at that time was put his finger in it, right? Well, yeah. we're always busy. And when our directs tell us that they're too busy, it's like, well, maybe we need to talk about what are the most effective things? What are the best ways to spend our time? Yeah. In fact, um, I've had a revelation probably in the last six months that just really understanding because I hear it so often about too busy, too busy, too busy. Yeah, you got to herd those sheep. You know, you got to do. I don't I don't I don't know what little Dutch boys do. But I'm, sure, yeah. I'm sure they keep exactly. busy. Yeah. That may be one of the best illusions or references I think we've ever had in 10 years. Coming up on our 10-year podcast. This will be the Dutch Boy podcast. Yeah. <laughs> Dutch Boy episode. Yeah, exactly. Um, that's what people remember it for. Yeah. Look, busyness is one of the most frequently used defenses against managers trying to change things or do things different or, or whatever. And, and busyness is, of course, much worse than that. It's, a, it's an epidemic. Um, and as I tell people in the field all the time, um, don't say it because it's overused to the point where it makes you look trite. It does, yeah. Um, you know, people say, I don't have time. I'm too busy. What do you want me not to do in order to have time to do this new thing? Busyness starts with a reasonable supposition. The fact that our directs feel busy, that defensiveness against new things is, is reasonable. The problem is, is while people feel that and then they've started to use a defense mechanism, being so busy that we can't add new things that we can't change is really a dangerous situation for the organization to be in. But individuals don't think about the organization and work through the logic of the effect of everyone being busy on organizational effectiveness. As busy as everyone is, and we, we don't doubt that everyone's busy, we will we'll stipulate to that. If the defense of busyness is left unanswered, the organization is never going to change. If it's okay to say I'm busy, so therefore nothing new, no change, whatever, then all we have to do is say I'm busy. What's funny about that is the busiest and most successful organizations, well, the most successful organizations, they're all busy too, and yet they change all the time. How do they change and get better when they're busy just like we are? And why is it that our busyness can somehow justify not changing again when they change even though they're busy and they still deliver results and the answer of course is that busyness is no defense of anything right by definition everyone's supposed to be busy to some to some degree or at least fully using their skills in fact organizational behavior people will tell you that those folks who provably don't have enough to do still fill up their hours and as long as their hours are being filled up 
will say that they're busy, right? Because the definition of not busy means having time to sit around and do nothing. Right. And that would be unacceptable. <laughs> you never, you'd never want to say that. Yeah. And, and as an aside, guys, I'll just tell you, one of the rules of organizational building organizations is always have less people than you need. It is a much preferable situation to have too much work and not enough people than the other way around. Separate from the economics of it, if you have people sitting around, those idle hours will be the devil's workshop. Whereas if you have more work to do than you have people, then choices have to be made. But we've sort of lost our way around we have to make choices, even though we're all busy. And so we just complain that there's more work to be done. People seem to think that work should be done at the end of the day. And when it's not, therefore, I feel busy and therefore I have this defense. Look, let's look at it from a different way. Let's look at busy differently. Busy to most folks means they're working hard all day, every day at work. Busy can be slightly different than I'm in meetings all the time. Busy also includes the work you have to do in addition to the time you spend in meetings, right? So we've noted often that managers and directors and above use the defense of too many meetings. And I will say that individual contributors use the term busy, both meaning the same thing, the same sense of having more work than they get done. But basically, busy means I have more work to do than I have time to do it. Or, put another way, you're busy if you're not getting all your work done. And look, here's the simple test. Ask yourself, do you feel busy? And then ask yourself another question. Do you go home every night with all your work done? And of course, everybody uh, yes, yes and no. <laughs> right, yeah. So when a direct says they don't have time to do one-on-ones, it's a sign they're fully busy with work they're not getting done. But if this is a defense against a new obligation, then we're never going to get that direct to ever do anything new. And look, there's a simple rule about work when there's more that can be done. Before trying to get more of everything done, get the most important things done first. It's just a simple argument that it's better to try first to achieve results through effectiveness that is, doing the right things, the valuable things, the important things, before you try to achieve results through efficiency, meaning doing the same work you've been doing in less time to get more of the undone work done. Effectiveness says work on the right things first, then get more efficient at those right things, and you'll have more time either for more right things, the most important things, or potentially for some less important things if your effectiveness allows you to get all the important things done. Right. Well, you know, there's that saying, if you, if you have something important to do, give it to a busy man or woman. You're right. And that's, and that's part of it, right? The, yeah. the most effective people are really, really busy, and they're busy at the right things. Exactly. So, so look, when a direct says they don't have time or too busy, another effective response is to explain if they're busy, if they're that busy, we both know they're not getting everything done. And that means we need to make sure they're working on the right things, first and foremost. And... If there's work being undone, the manager sure has an interest in knowing what it is. And that means talking more about what they're working on to make sure that they're aligned with what you want them to work on. And I'd be willing to bet if every manager listened to this knew every single thing all of his directs or her directs were working on, they'd be cutting with a wide swath. Oh, don't they would. do that. Don't yeah. do that. Gee, don't do that. Don't do that. And, and by the way, work never dies. You tell somebody to start doing something, they like doing it, they'll keep doing it. If, if you don't specifically tell them that no longer makes sense, if they like doing it, they can avoid 
or ignore evidence that suggests, gee, we really don't need to do this anymore. Right. You, know, you, you tell them to do a report. They're doing a report. And then a new report comes out, which sort of includes the information they need but doesn't. And they say, well, i got to do this report too. And then you never tell them, don't do that other report. And they keep doing it because they like it because it's interesting or, well, it's or job. they get to talk it's, to somebody. Yeah, exactly. I won't go into labor it here, but I told a story where I inherited an organization where I had a team of five people working on a report. I mean, that's all they did is they produced, you know, the database and all the stuff necessary to produce this, this earnings report. And it hadn't been read by anybody for three years, yet the work continued. <laughs> it's like It's like crazy stuff like that. Just boggles the mind. Yeah. So can we role play again about how it might sound in an actual exchange? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So you play the direct. Okay. I'm too busy for another meeting. I, I've i already got too much to do. I don't have enough time to do it. I am absolutely swamped. And and how is yet another meeting going to help me with that? Right? You're going to like that meeting going to like magically take time away? What? Yeah. By the way, folks, Mike just did that very well. And Mike, I want you to do it again. And I want you to do it with a bad attitude a little bit, right? And not completely fireable, but for instance, you could call the meeting worthless and you could change your tone a little bit. I, I want to share both of those with people and then talk about that for just a minute before I give the answer. Go ahead. Okay, cool. So I'll, I'll channel myself of 30 years ago because this is how, <laughs> literally, this is how I would have, I would have done it. All right, boss, this, this is flipping ridiculous. You know I got so much going on. You keep hammering from all the deliverables I've, I've got. I got no time. Now you want to have another meeting, spend 30 minutes where I could be getting work done. Um, I just don't understand how you can do this. You can, you can make me go to these worthless meetings and then hold me accountable for all this work that I don't have time to do as it is. This is flipping stupid. I'm sorry, you want me to do it? I'll do it. But this, this makes no freaking sense whatsoever. Nice. Well done. Um, so look, I want to make a point, which I've written a podcast for this and we just haven't recorded yet. Those two responses are substantively similar, but require different responses. Oh, oh, set me up, will you? <laughs> yeah. I would say the first one could very easily come from a middle or top performer who's a little bit frustrated. The other one comes from a bottom performer a recalcitrant person, a, a non-team player. And an example is, hey, can I give you some feedback? When you use words like you, worthless about a meeting I've asked you to attend, it doesn't help team spirit around here. So we'll put that podcast out, but there's a big difference, folks, in how your people respond to some of these things. And if one of your people responds a little bit aggressively, then make sure you understand there are two parts to this. One is they have they may have a substantive concern, but they don't get to deliver it that way. Because unless you would talk to your boss that way, the way I might have done 30 years ago and Mike might have done 30 years ago before we learned that we were being dumb and as good as we were, there were things like that holding us back, we don't recommend that. So I'm going to answer your first one, okay? Mike, look, I know you're busy. We're all busy. And as an aside, having too much work to do doesn't stop the VPs and directors from asking me to take an extra meeting or two. So, right, it, apparently busyness is not a defense against them, so I'm doubting it's going to be a defense for you. But anyway, look, if you're that busy, we darn well better be sure that you're working on the right stuff, right? Because if you're that busy, you're not getting everything done. I want to make sure that the things that aren't getting done are things I don't care about. Um, my guess is there's stuff you're working on that I don't know about. 
And if you're like me, there's some stuff that you're working on that you like doing, but maybe isn't the best stuff for the team or the organization. No offense. So if there's more work than we can get done, we've absolutely got to be sure that whatever we're doing is the most important stuff. And seriously, dude, a half-hour meeting, about 2% of your work week isn't going to make your workload any worse. And further, I'll say this. I'll commit to you when we get some alignment out of the one-on-ones, you'll get more time back in your week than you spend in our one-on-ones. I guarantee it. And you can guarantee it. If you didn't, if yeah. anybody's been listening who's done one-on-ones knows. So, yeah, they, I, yeah, absolutely. I can. They're like, I can oh my gosh, that. it's amazing. I spend time and I make time. Yeah, because you're being effective and you're 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 finally aligning with your people and it's starting to feel like a team because there's communication and collaboration, not just not just fancy words on a mission statement or a company values page. Yeah. When you do the math of this whole thing and the time involved, it ah. really I mean it's really, that's the I don't know it's, it, it can be somewhat indelicate, but it's um unassailable, right? The logic. Yeah, the dark mark. This is my favorite part of the answer. We don't recommend you give this one first. We recommend you do the other two. We also say that you you won't have to use all four of these. We don't think, um, even though we're giving you four responses to, I don't have time for this. It's the easiest response, but like you say, it's indelicate um, because you don't you don't want to qua- you don't want to crush people, right? Right. Don't see every disagreement. Don't see every pushback as a war that you have to win. Okay. Yeah, a disagreement is not a challenge of your authority. I mean, you don't, you don't have to take it that way. Yeah. If you simply explain to them how little time you're actually asking for, you'll find that people will get it. And you could actually include this in a, in a briefing if you wanted, but I wouldn't do it unless you had addressed the other two as well. Look, part of the reason let's do the math works is because so few people think globally or big picture about their time or their calendar, their schedule. They think about the now, and they think about the near-term upcoming, usually in the form of impending deadline. Most approaches to creating more time are about spending a few less minutes on each of the next few things they're working on. If you really look, other than a couple of places, the vast majority of time management stuff is about efficiency which is getting the same things done in less time, right? Being more efficient with them. But that approach, trying to save a few minutes here and a few minutes there, is really tactical. You're going to save some time, but it's going to be incremental. The highly effective way to do, to think about time and priorities and so on, is to apportion one's time differently, starting from the top down. Getting things done by... um, David Allen, right? I was about to say Stephen Covey, but I've got him on the brain right now. Getting things done, which Mike and I, highly, all of Manager Tools, highly recommends, teaches this beautifully. The book 168 Hours, which you haven't read, I recommend it, does it even better. And one of my favorite stories is The Big Rocks Story by Stephen Covey. And if you just Google The Big Rocks um, and, and put Covey in there, you'll, you'll get it. When you're working in the now, when you're focused, the way the vast majority of individual contributors, team leads, supervisors, managers, even many directors are, and somebody asks for a half an hour, it might be okay for you to get a little bit ticked. You never feel like you have half an hour when you're up against the deadlines of right away. But if I ask you for 30 minutes next month, you'd probably be able to make it work. 
that harkens back to our first answer is that's why we started three we're starting three four weeks from now but it also tells us something about how we feel about time when we don't feel there's going to be any pressure because we don't we're not thinking about it we have all the time in the world when we feel the pressure of deadlines now we don't have any time at all so look let's do the total math for a whole year of one-on-ones and see what someone is suggesting when they say they don't have time we're talking about 30 minutes a week times 52 weeks a year but then again not really okay half an hour for 52 weeks minus two weeks of vacation for you and then minus two weeks more for your direct vacation so half an hour times 48 weeks that's only 24 hours if we assume eight-hour workdays, that's three days every year. Are you kidding me? Somebody doesn't have a measly three days in an entire year to meet with me to talk about work and performance and development and any other thing you like because you get to go first. When our website on our company talks about team players and communication and collaboration, does it mean people don't have time three days a year to talk to their boss? It defies rationality. It is inconceivable, and we know what that word means. Look, if we're really going to get snarky, everybody is always claiming that they're working 50-hour weeks, and frankly, more, which is a bad sign. So now, at 50-hour weeks, we're talking about only two days a year because everybody's working 10-hour days. Yeah, right? inconceivable. Two <laughs> days a year. In, yeah, exactly, inconceivable. Further, they only have to talk for 15 of those 30 minutes, which means we're asking them to come talk to us one day a year. The idea that someone doesn't have that much time is preposterous. Literally, it's preposterous. Okay, and if you go back to a week, if you have a 50-hour week and you're asking for half an hour, that's 1% of your week. It's, it's, it's mind-boggling. Now, I got a little snarky there. Let's do another exchange so that okay. everybody can hear it. And for the record, I know some of you are going, well, that math is really easy. Yes, we know, and... Many of your directs will be thinking in the now, and when you go up to 30,000 feet, which is to say the whole year, that's where the math really shows the weakness of the argument. Okay, go ahead, Mike. Okay, so I'm going to I'm gonna be the professional Mike. <laughs> okay, just so we don't okay, have to go good. through the whole... Uh, change change that, of pace, little that, change of pace. The change of yeah. pace, yeah. Let me try. Yeah. It's, it's going to be hard. <laughs> Let me try. Um, look at Bob. I just don't have time for this. You give me tons to do. You know, frankly, I'm putting too many hours at work as it is. A little bit tension at home. Wife's not totally digging, you know, the hours I'm spending already. Dude, I just don't have time. Okay. Well, look, Mike, first things first. If there's problems at home with your hours, let's talk about that. Family first. I've said it a thousand times. Go home, darn it. And use the fact that you have to go home to get smarter about what you're working on. Okay. And look, I'm not asking for much time. It may seem like a lot right now, as busy as you are, trying to fit a half an hour in the next day or two, but not that I'm asking for that. It's kind of silly for us to have a conversation about what amounts to two to three work days throughout the entire year being too much to handle. In a 50-hour work week, which I'm guessing you're doing, 30 minutes is 1% of your week. 
you're going to struggle to convince me that you can't spare that for open communication when your calendar three weeks from now is so open. So let's at least start. And I'll say, Mike took the professional tone, um, and I tried to respond politely, but in the beginning, I was a little bit more snarky. Yeah, I think you, I think you did, but it is really easy in these conversations to take a little bit of a tone that, that quickly becomes dismissive and, in my view, unprofessional in, in some regard. Yeah, and, and if this is your third bite at the apple trying to help somebody understand, um, you may be tired. You may be, really, seriously, half an hour a week. You're kidding, right? Right, now that, yeah. So, so you may end up winning the argument just because if you're going to be snarky, the combination of, of that tone in your argument and your role power means you're going to shut the direct down. And that may cause them to not buy in as fast as they could because they won't want to see the value because they feel like they got put in their place. That's right. And sometimes that kind of response is useful and saves you time now, but costs you time later. It's problematic when you're rolling out new systems and processes. So be careful. Yeah, and it's not it's not necessary, right? Don't use your roll power when it's not necessary. Yeah, yeah. Well, in fact, I tweeted about that right in this cast. I tweeted about that very thing about how roll power is inversely proportional to how often you use it. The more often you think about it, the more often you have to use roll power to get things done. What you're proving is you don't have very much. Um, but relationship power, persuading people, understanding where they're coming from, communicating with them, building trust so that you can communicate clearly and efficiently, that actually feeds on itself. The more you work on your relationship, the more you can use it, and the more you use it, provided there's trust, the more likely it is to grow. Yeah, keep your powder dry when, when you really, yeah. when you really exactly. need it. Exactly, right. yep. Okay, we had four ideas how to respond, so we've done three. What's, what's the last one? Yeah, we, we recommend roll power, right? Um, thanks Wait a minute, for the we input. just said not Yeah, to do I know. Well, it's last, right? It's the last. It's our last resort. Yeah, so thanks for the input. It's not a request, and we don't recommend you pull rank very often. We always start with relationship power, and I, and I alluded to that in the tweet and mentioned that. Look, guys, if you don't remember it, we've talked about this before. There are three forms of power or influence in your organization. This is not manager tools. This is not Mike and I. This is organizational theory 101 there's role power the power the organization grants you to compel others to act for the organization and actually it's not even compulsion you can't compel people to do anything all you can do is threaten with consequences um, relationship power your own ability to change behaviors of others because of their knowledge and trust of you and expertise power other people's perception of your technical industrial or topical knowledge that causes them to follow your expert guidance so Manager tools, career tools, are built on relationship power. It is what the great leaders and managers use the vast majority of the time. But even though we recommend relationship power as a first, second, third choice all the time, that doesn't mean role power doesn't exist. If you rarely use it, and we recommend you do, then when you do, it will be respected. Um, role power tends to exist in inverse proportion to how often you have to use it. And sometimes, to get people over the hump, it takes them seeing the benefits of the new plan in action rather than spending time trying to con continuing to spend time trying to convince them of the benefits. Okay? So, if you've tried some or all of the other responses that we've suggested here, it's fair to say you've made a solid effort. And 
time being what it is, while we owe each of our directs a reasonable effort at communicating, at some point it's both ineffective and inefficient to keep trying to use our relationship power on something we believe in. So, we have the role power, we've tried relationship, we've tried tr statements that rely on trust. You, you know me, I wouldn't ask you to do this if I didn't think it was reasonable. Let's, let's take a step forward and try it and see how it works out. So it's time to, to say, hey, good exchange, and no, I'm going to still do this. Whereas in other cases, you may choose to have a discussion, have somebody say, here's why I'm not sure that'll work. And they say, da 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 You're like, well, oh, okay, I, I could see where, yeah, you may be right about that. Um, and so you may step back from a conversation you have trying to introduce something new where your relationship power allows your directs to suggest that maybe you're wrong. But if, in fact, they continue to push back and you believe in it, then... Yeah, we're going to use role power. So, Mike, let's role play. Okay. I just don't see how this helps me. It's just another meeting, and instead of me getting some real work done, I got to spend time in a meeting that, you know, frankly, I don't see a whole lot of value in right now. No offense. Fair enough, right? I get it, Mike, that I haven't convinced you. I believe it will help you. Uh, I don't see this as just another meeting, and I haven't done a good job of communicating with you, and I, I, I get it. Uh, that said... Every once in a while, I get to be in charge rather than just be a collaborator. I believe that over time, this will become the most valuable time we spend each week. I haven't convinced you yet, but I'm willing to bet the results of us doing so will. So I'm, I'm going to insist. I don't do this very often, but I'm going to insist here. Pick a time. Do your best to stay positive, And let's behave our way into believing. And let's see how we feel about it in a month or two. Yeah, again, not our first choice. That's not how we'd, we'd, we'd begin the conversation, but it's completely and utterly appropriate when you believe in your plans. And in this case, there's nothing more we believe in than one-on-ones, right? Yeah, exactly, right? Yeah. Um, and hey, guys, some of you have heard me mention this before. I've been thinking back over the last 10 years of CAS because it's... Uh, this cast is coming out in the month where we're celebrating our 10th anniversary. For you longtime listeners and Star Trek fans, there's a great example of this fourth one. Of, of It's not a request. In Star Trek The Next Generation, Season 2, Episode 15, the episode name is called Pin Pals. We've mentioned it before. It involves Wesley Crusher. Some people love him. Some people hated him. But if you're a Trekkie, go watch that that show online and you'll get a kick out of it. Pay attention to how Wesley leads his project team. It's kind of funny. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Good story. So look, summarizing real quick, guys. We gave you four possible answers. Um, three weeks from now, your calendar's empty. Uh, secondly, if you're that busy, we need to get better at the right things, and this meeting will help us do that. Let's do the math. And then, of course, thanks for the input. It's not a request. If something is important and valuable, it's worth thinking through the possible rejoinders and being prepared to address them. And if you're not willing to verbally fight through some turbulence when you introduce a new idea, it's probably not worth doing, right? There's going to be some natural resistance, and we ought to be prepared for that. One-on-ones are going to be the most valuable time you spend as a manager each week, so it's worth it to work on overcoming what we can tell you are well-used objections. Yeah. Thanks, dude. Hall of Fame. I love this cast. Yeah, turned out good. Cool. All right, my friend. We'll see you. Thanks, everyone. We'll see you next week. In the meantime, have a great one. So long. This podcast was produced by Manager Tools. Manager Tools creates actionable management guidance every single week. 
To receive additional materials via our newsletter and to find products for situations you may face as a manager or professional, go to www.manager-tools.com. Search for Manager Tools on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn.